Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 74. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis. And this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets and, in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. A quick progress update. The final draft is now with the designer who is currently working on the layout of the book and we will keep you posted on the progress. And now to this week's podcast where we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 38th week of 2023 and that is from Monday the 18th to Friday the 22nd of September. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamu Huri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States, where on Wednesday, the U.S. Federal Reserve decided to put its benchmark interest rate on hold for the time being. The markets had fully priced in the hold in interest rates, which keeps the Fed funds rate in a targeted range of between 5.25% to 5.5%, which is the highest interest rate in the United States over the past 22 years. However, the Fed also indicated that it still expects at least one more rate hike before the end of this year, And according to projections released by the central bank, this could be the final rate hike, which will bring to an end the Fed's policy tightening cycle, which began in March 2022. However, judging from documents released on Wednesday, there is still a bias in favor of a more restrictive policy and a higher for longer approach to interest rates. And staying in the United States, the latest data released just last week shows that the country's national debt hit a historic milestone as it surpassed 33 trillion US dollars. And this comes less than two weeks before the federal government faces a shutdown over the lack of funding authorization. The issue of debt is once again at the center of a standstill in the U.S. Congress. 
And over in the United Kingdom, inflation in the month of August surprised the markets when it dipped to 6.7%, and this was down from 6.8% in July. The dip in inflation raised the probability that the Bank of England would hold back on further rate hikes at its policy meeting later in the week. Economists polled by Reuters had expected headline inflation to come in at 7%, mainly due to a slight uptick in fuel prices. Meanwhile, the core consumer price index, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, came in at 6.2% in the 12 months to August, and this was down from 6.9% in July. And following the cooler-than-expected inflation data, the Bank of England on Thursday voted to hold interest rates steady and in the process ended a run of 14 consecutive rate hikes that commenced in December 2021, taking its main policy rate up from 0.1% to a 15-year high of 5.25%. The Monetary Policy Committee voted 5-4 to four in favor of holding the rate steady at the same level. However, the four dissenting members were in favor of another 25 basis point rate hike to 5.5%. The Monetary Policy Committee said it would continue to monitor indications of persistent inflationary pressures as well as resilience in the economy as a whole. In the U.S. stock market, Friday recorded a general decline in U.S. stocks as investors concluded another tough week in the markets. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell by about 106 points to close at 33,963, whilst the S&P 500 shed about 0.23%, to end the day at 4,320, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq slipped by 0.09% to close the session at 13,211. Friday marked the fourth consecutive day of losses in the market, and this losing streak came as investors reacted to the Federal Reserve's intention to keep interest rates higher for longer. For the week, the blue-chip Dow Jones slid by about 1.9%, whilst the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite declined by 2.9% and 3.6% respectively. This marked the third consecutive week of losses in the U.S. stock market and was the worst weekly performance since March 2023. Please note that the stock market is normally considered a reliable indicator for the overall health of a country's economy. In the U.S. bond market, U.S. Treasury yields pulled back on Friday after hitting multi-year highs earlier in the week as investors weighed the outlook for interest rates following the Federal Reserve's policy meeting. On Thursday, U.S. Treasury yields hit their highest level since around 2007, and this happened after the Federal Reserve opted to keep interest rates unchanged for now 
but indicated there would be one more rate hike before the end of this year and that interest rates would stay higher for longer. The yield on the policy-sensitive two-year Treasury note dipped by four basis points and was last seen trading at 5.108%, whilst the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond was down by nearly five basis points to 4.434%. The two- to 10-year yield curve remains inverted, which is a classical sign for an upcoming recession. For your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated, which means that as interest rates rise, bond prices fall and vice versa. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil held steady on Friday but closed the week lower on profit-taking. Traders continued to weigh between supply concerns stemming from Russia's ban on fuel exports and the demand challenges arising from future rate hikes. And against this backdrop, the price of Brent crude broke a three-week winning streak as it fell by 0.3% to settle at $93.27 a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate Crude dipped by just 0.03% for its first decline in the past four weeks and closed the week priced at $90.03 a barrel. Meanwhile, the price of Marban oil, which Kenya imports, declined from $96.61 per barrel to $94.66 per barrel. And just for your information, with fuel prices now above 210 shillings per liter, the Kenyan consumer is now paying about 79 shillings in taxes for every liter of fuel. This increase in taxes will now see the Kenya Revenue Authority collecting about 29 billion shillings per month from fuel taxes alone. In the precious metals market, the price of gold edged up higher on Friday, helped by a slight pullback in the U.S. dollar, as well as a dip in bond yields as investors analyzed the hawkish stance maintained by the Federal Reserve. Following three sessions of losses, the price of spot gold rose by 0.3%, to close the day priced at $1,925 per ounce. The main focus in the gold market was the idea that the Fed will keep interest rates higher for longer, and this singular idea has lifted both the US dollar and bond yields and conversely applied downward pressure on gold, which is a non-yielding asset. For your information, gold has an inverse relationship with the U.S. dollar and is often used as a hedge against inflation as well as a store of value during times of financial uncertainty. And on that note, we now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. 
Uh, we start by looking at the domestic foreign exchange market, where the shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. And according to data obtained from the central bank, the official exchange rate for the U.S. dollar was quoted at 147.26, compared to 146.66 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the U.S. dollar at between 151 shillings on the lower side to above 154 shillings on the higher side. The lowest dollar rate was quoted by Stanbic Bank at 151.25, whilst the highest rate was quoted by INM Bank at 153.90. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 182.28 and the euro was valued at 156.81. And on the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 25.45 Ugandan shillings and 17.01 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.15. In the past one year, the Kenya shilling has lost about 20% of its value against the regional currencies. And this in turn has weakened the country's dominant trading position in the East African region. The current trend suggests that the Kenyan shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future, and this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 60% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that the Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 60 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves declined sharply by $112 million to $6.95 billion, which is equivalent to 3.8 months of import cover. This is in breach of the central bank statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. And in spite of the recent funding received from both the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under intense pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations, which have pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market improved significantly during the past week as government payments into the market exceeded and more than offset tax remittances to the government. The excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement increased from 11.2 billion shillings to 28 0.1 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate rose from 11.71% the previous week to 12.18%. And during the week, the average value that was traded in the interbank market decreased from 31.8 billion shillings to 25.1 billion shillings. 
In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 21st of September, and the central bank received bids totaling 20.2 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of about 84%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 18.78 billion shillings. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, totaling about 15.5 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate rose by 27 basis points to average out at 14.78%, whilst the 182-day rate increased by 52 basis points to level off at 14.93%. And the 364-day rate shot up by 49 basis points and broke above 15% to settle at 15.22%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01% and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. Please note that as interest rates continue to rise, investors remain focused at the short end of the yield curve where they can reinvest their funds at a higher rate every 91 days. And for your information, given that the dollar shilling exchange rate has depreciated by about 20% over the past one year, and the fact that the U.S. dollar interest rate is now hovering around 5%, that implies that the break-even interest rate for the Kenya shilling should now be at least 25%. In the primary bond market on Friday, the Central Bank of Kenya announced a top sale for its September bond issue and is looking to raise an additional 15 billion shillings from the sale of the following fixed coupon treasury bonds, which are offered on a fast-come, fast-served basis, and whose terms and conditions are as follows. The first bond is FXD1-2023-002. This is a reopened two-year bond with 1.9 years left to maturity, and whose average yield came out at 17.45% vis-a-vis the bond's coupon rate at 16.97%. The second bond is FXD1-2016-010. This is a reopened 10-year bond with 2.9 years left to maturity and whose average yield came out at 17.92% vis-a-vis -vis the bond's coupon rate at 15.039%. In the secondary bond market, the turnover in the domestic secondary market declined by 35% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds were on an upward trajectory and increased by an average of 138 basis points as the yield on the 10-year eurobond which matures in 2024 recorded the largest increase of about 320 basis points 
from 13.6% the previous week to 16.8%. Please note that the yield on Kenya's eurobonds represents the rate of return that foreign investors are demanding for investing in Kenya's dollar-denominated eurobonds. The eurobond yield also represents the level of risk associated with a particular country and is an indication of the perceived risk of default. Moving over to the Nairobi Securities Exchange, during the past week, the equities market was on a downward trajectory with the NASI declining the most by 2.2%, while the NSE 20 and the NSE 25 declined by 0.8% and 1.5% respectively. This takes a year-to-date performance to losses of 24% for the NASI 9.3% for the NSC 20 and 20.2% for the NSC 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large cap stocks such as Safaricom, Bamburi and Diamond Trust Bank, which declined by 4.8%, 3.5% and 3.3% respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks such as Standard Chartered Bank, Absa Bank, and East African Breweries, which increased by 2.2%, 0.9%, and 0.8%, respectively. During the week, the turnover in equities increased by 17% to $8.9 million U.S. dollars. Meanwhile, foreign investors remained net sellers for the fourth consecutive week with a net selling position of $3.9 million and this now takes a year-to-date net selling position to a total of $281 million. Up next is our topical issue for this week. And this week, we are looking at the government's reduction in domestic borrowing. The National Treasury has reduced its domestic borrowing target by 172 billion shillings. The latest budget estimates from the Exchequer indicate that the domestic borrowing target has now been reduced to 411 billion shillings from an earlier estimate of 583 billion shillings. The reduction in domestic borrowing is anchored on expectations of increased financing from foreign external sources and subsequently the budget estimate for foreign financing has been raised from about 131 billion shillings to 449 billion shillings, which indicates improved prospects for access to external loans. The reduction in domestic borrowing is expected to ease the pressure on interest rates and avoid the government crowding out the private sector from the credit markets. However, it's highly unlikely that we'll see a reduction in interest rates 
as the government also needs to attract foreign investments in order to deal with the depreciating Kenya shilling. And raising interest rates with the hope of attracting foreign investments is unlikely to work in this environment. And that is because market sentiment is currently risk-off, with foreign investors exiting emerging markets on concerns about debt distress, as well as an upcoming global recession. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. The Market Color Podcast is now also available on the WhatsApp channel. Please consider subscribing so that you can be notified every time I publish a new episode. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. And that is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. And I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, your experience of life is always here and now. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.